Hash House and Circle Up. Welcome to On On, the Hash House Harrier podcast for interviews, history, and stories. I'm your host, Ra. All right, today on the podcast, our guest, currently and for a while now, from Pittsburgh, PA. He's hashed all over. A lot of you will know him. It's Fuckstick. Welcome, Fuckstick. Hey, Rock. What's going on? It's great to be here today. Tell me, when and where and how did you start hashing? So, you know, I was actually in high school when I first started hashing. I was working at um, Schlumberger in Ridgefield, Connecticut, doing groundskeeping. And I played soccer with these guys over lunch. And they all had these Hash House Harrier t-shirts on. And so I asked somebody, I just said, you know, what's a Hash House Harrier? And they said, oh, there's these weird people who run and then they sing all these songs and then they drink. And I said, well, you know, I'm on the cross country team. I, I sing in the choir and I like beer. So how do I get to do this? It turned out my mom worked at the same place. And so she asked around and she was confident enough after talking to people that I would be okay going. So I started hashing when I was in high school in the summer of 1990. Not brought there by your parents? No, just co-workers of hers. One of them drove me to my first hash, and after that I drove myself. It's funny because some of them had kids who were in middle school or high school who came out to the hash, and none of their kids drank, but they let me drink beer. So that was okay by me. (laughs) Certainly hashing in the 90s and on either side of that decade a bit seems to be have a day of hashing. It was a special time. It was really a special time. I lucked out because the Ridgefield hash where I was hashing in Connecticut overlapped a lot with the Fairfield hash in Connecticut and the New York hash in Westchester County. I showed up at a a normal Thursday night hash in June of 1992 and it was the Thursday before I graduated from high school. I was graduating from high school on on the following Tuesday and uh, Ian Cumming got up uh, during announcements at the end of the run and Ian was a New York hasher who uh, found the New York hash back in the 70s and said, um, look, if anyone's interested, I'm going up to Hogtown this weekend. We have room in the car, and anyone wants to go, just talk to me after. And, and so I talked to him, and I said, where is Hogtown? <laughs> he said, well, it's Toronto. And I said, well, I'd like to go, but I have to ask my parents. <laughs> I said, look, can I call you in about an hour once I get home and talk to my parents? And he said, that'd be fine. So I called him up, and my parents said yes. So the next morning, my mom dropped me off at a parking lot where he met us. We drove up to Hogtown. We picked up Skull on the way, and it was Hogtown's 125th run uh, in June of 1992. And that was just before I graduated high school. I got to experience my first hash weekend. Just as you said, it was the 90s were just a special time for hashing. Tell me, how'd you get your hash name? When I went to university, there was no hash in Delaware. Lacking a hash in Delaware and having been sold on hashing, I decided to start one. At the time, we had the hash L email list, which was going then. And I just put out on the hash. Email was still even pretty early for people to have access to at that point. But I had a, an email account my freshman year of college. So I sent out an email to everyone and said, look, we're having the first run of this hash. A bunch of people came in from out of town and it was a complete screw up. At least we had the presence of mind to print out t-shirts ahead of time that said the worst screw up yet. It rained 10 minutes before the trail, washed away all the flour, people got lost, but we all had fun and we, we drank a lot. That evening, I was sending out an email to all the people, all my university friends who said they were going to be there and didn't show up. Somehow, out of madness of the day, my friend uh, John Lovell, Tunneler, coined the name Fuckstick out of that. It was a combination of like the fucked up run and somebody had found a, a baton, like a cheerleader twirls that was full of glitter on trail and they presented that to me as my magic wand at the end of the trail and the confluence of those two events ended up with me being name fuckstick and it's spelled f-u-k 
Yeah, well, back in the day, right, we had we had filters on email. So if you had a swear word in your email, it wouldn't get through to people's email accounts. So, so I spelled it F-U-K-S-T-I-K. So it would pass through email filters. So where'd you go next? I graduated university in 96. I moved out to Colorado. So I hatched with Boulder and Denver. And again, that was kind of a, a special time out there. Boulder and Denver uh, alternated weeks. Denver especially was one of those hashes where if you showed up and people didn't know who you were, they just immediately engaged you and said, hi, who are you? Welcome here, etc. It was just a wonderful time and a wonderful community. I lived there for two years. And then in September of 98, I bought an around the world plane ticket so I could go to Kuala Lumpur for World's Interhash for the 60th anniversary. Went over to KL, traveled abroad for a bit, hashed in Australia and New Zealand a little bit. And then when I came back, I ended up in San Diego for a couple of years. Hashing mostly with Larrikins and the Hump and Hash, who put the run in drunk. And then after that, moved back east to Delaware for a couple of years, D.C., Baltimore. And then I ended up in Pittsburgh in about 2005. So I've been here. It'll be 16 years next month. So just about half of your hashing life now is in Pittsburgh. And yeah! In all those different hashing clubs and over 30 years now, what are your hash traditions and preferences you like a lot? Things you say I could do without. For me, it's funny. It's always been both about the running and the drinking. I love a good trail. I love when the hash is constantly moving. Even though you're keeping the pack together, you're on the move and you're not dumped, right? So I like a good running trail that's at least three or four miles long. I could do without five beer checks where we're constantly stopping, and I can kind of do without shot checks. I think people sometimes get too drunk on trail, and I'd rather save that for the end. Yeah, a, a good piss-up, good time outdoors with friends, work up a good sweat, have a few beers. It's been interesting because Pittsburgh had a tradition for a long time where we always ended at someone's house, and your role on the hash they, we actually had dues which is kind of crazy every year you were expected to hear one trail and provide all the food and drink at the end of that trail on one level that was daunting for people on another level it really brought together the community and so you were at somebody's house just hanging around and hanging out so i, I kind of like that tradition we did something similar in ritual in connecticut the blue head hash we always had baguette or a couple baguettes cheese and meats and and apples and stuff like that at the end for everybody to just gather in the woods somewhere and then we sometimes go out afterwards for me i don't know that we need two or three beer checks on every trail i just like to make sure that we get out and go for a good run but variety is the spice of life right i like trying it all out you started one of the youngest 30-year experienced hashers there is and you mentioned meeting ian coming did you run into ian any more yeah, yeah. I got, I got to hang out with Ian quite a bit. Well, I mean, relatively speaking, right? Ian and the New York Hash would have an annual run on New Year's Day at Ian's house in, in Katona. So I used to make it up for that, and that was always a good... He would put on quite a spread. Uh, so Ian had lived in Malaysia, and that's where he started hashing with KL in the 50s. Between his experience in Malaysia and Singapore, he liked to cook Asian dishes. For, for New Year's Day, he would just... A huge cr spider crab with rice and a big curry and it's insane spread for everyone. It was always a treat to go for New Year's Day to Ian's house, drink port and eat Stilton at the end. And he was sure to tell you you were eating the Stilton wrong or cutting it wrong. You have to shave it just right. But yeah, so I got the opportunity to, to hash with him quite a bit over the years with New York. For uh, I even flew back east from Colorado one year to drive out from New York to Pittsburgh Hash Weekend because, of course, Ian was a fixture at the Pittsburgh Hash Weekend, I think, since either the early 
90s or I don't know, maybe even the late 80s. Hogtown a bunch of times. I remember I arrived late one night at Hogtown for the weekend. He was passed out asleep on the bed while the party was raging around him, but still in his full French maid outfit. So as soon as I arrived, he's like, oh, Taka's here. And he got up and, you know, we drank for another two hours or three hours. The New York Hash was special because they were all a bunch of singers. A, a bunch of them met at the, in the same church choir. That was Ian's recruiting thing. So they, they managed to put together three or four part harmonies for some of these Hash songs that used to be hymns. It was quite magical, except when it wasn't. And then it was like dogs howling. So it was special. Somebody told me they were on a Pittsburgh trail. I don't know if it was a camp out weekend. And there was a beer check in the woods. And when everybody arrived, there was an old homeless man sort of guarding <laughs> the beer. That did happen. <laughs> that did happen. I was at that hash, but there were a number of hopeless camps around Pittsburgh, and it could just be like somebody has a tent in the woods. But while I, re I remember coming up on that, and the person was there, and he was protecting the beer for everybody, but that's about all I remember about it, unfortunately. I don't, okay. I don't remember much more of the, the where's and where fours about that. Okay, the reason I brought it up is someone thought it was you dressed up as a homeless man. <laughs> That's the story I heard of some. That's too funny. For you, were there other people who informed your way of thinking about the hash? I mean, one of my favorite moments and classic moments were a couple of them were driven by Skull. And Skull doesn't hash that much anymore, but Skull was an Ithaca, a New York hasher first and then an Ithaca hasher. For a while in the 90s, the Sunday run on a weekend wasn't some like walk in a circle around the, the parking lot or around the field hangover run. But it was actually like a real run. So I remember like at that Hogtown 125th weekend, it was probably like a five or six mile run on Sunday. You sure as hell sweated out all the toxins. We were driving to the run and both Gull and Monster Bader from Waukesha, they had their heads shaved. There was a school graduation, a Catholic school graduation happening somewhere in Toronto. And we pulled the car over and they got out and posed naked on, on the sidewalk on the side of the road in front of, for a photo in front of the school graduation, both looking like... Like, well, they were wearing their sarongs. They looked like Hare Krishners, and then they took off their sarongs. Skull was definitely an, uh, an influence on me. Uh, there would be other times when, I can't remember, maybe it was a Hogtown weekend, he and Monster just grabbed a bag of flour and started laying trail off a check and, and laid a long YBF. And he was always just a runner and a good singer. Chucky Cheeks and a number of the folks from Denver and Boulder were wonderful. Chucky, Heart of Gold, very knowledgeable in all his songs. It's always been a pleasure to hang out with Chucky over, over the years. I've been really lucky in that a bunch of my college friends ended up hashing because of the Blue Hen hash. So I've been able to like watch them as they've got on and come back and interact with them after they've gone out and hashed in the world and become entities of their own in that regard. That's kind of been fun. I don't know, like, I always love the Nittany guys. Sloppy was always wonderful to hang out with. Some of the other Nittany hashers. A lot of good names and good faces from the years. There will be people listening to this podcast all over the world that aren't familiar with Hashel, which was a big part of the hashing community in North America in that time. You want to talk about Hashel a bit? How would you describe Hashel? What were some of the classic 
<laughs> relationships are battles that happened on the email group. Oh, my word. You just saying that brings up a couple of more names who have been influential on me. And they range from like Swamp Bitch to Zippy to uh, Access Denied to Mr. Jackson. And of course, Sex Toy and Rose. Hashell, having an email list, which ended up being a fairly small community of like 50 or 60 hashers, maybe 100, who knows, from all over the world that you're able to interact with, but also hear about how different hashing is within like 100 miles of you or 200 miles of you. The fact that some hashes are diehard live hair only, and that's the only way to hash versus dead hair conversations. We would constantly have battles over cans versus kegs, what was better <laughs> and what was more appropriate for the hash. You had all these really strong personalities. And this is before all of the e-groups that we have now, whether it's Facebook, message boards, or whatever, where you were able to see how people had a different personality. It was pretty common knowledge that people would have a different personality online than they would in real life. It was fascinating because you'd interface with all these people who were often big personalities in their own hashes, put forth a personality on this email list, and then you meet them in person, and they could be a completely different person, if that makes any sense. Is anybody that you remember a jaw drop moment that said, oh my God? <laughs> Not so much for how they might be different but for who they are i still remember i'm, I'm completely blanking on his name but the first time i met him in person he, he's an englishman who moved to, to he lives in florida now chippendale yep it was totally chippendale thank you the first time i met him in person i'm like holy shit this is the first time i've actually met you <laughs> There are a bunch of those moments. I will say that people like Access Denied, I, the first time I met him, and, and God rest his immortal soul, he passed just a year or so ago. The first time I met him, it was, who is this huge personality who is so combative? And then you meet him, and he's just it's nice as pie. He's sitting there and, and offers you a shot or something like that at Nittany Valley. I think it was the first time I met him. Funniest story I have about Hashel, as far as people who are regulars on Hashel, Zippy the Cyberpimp. For those who don't know, Zippy was just very active online. Him and Flying Booger interviewed Ian Cumming and others to put together a songbook back in the 90s. And it was wonderful because Zippy and Flying Booger put together this songbook. And it was one of those things where I think I got a flyer for the Colorado Imba hash. On the back of the flyer, it said, send $5 and I'll send you the songbook on a three and a half inch floppy disk for those who know what floppy disks are. And so you could send a letter to Zippy and he'd actually send you this word file of a songbook on a floppy disk. And the best part about it was because he and Fly Booger had met Ian and they said well this guy's certainly going to die bef before too long we better get all these songs transcribed and so they said about it I had heard all these songs at New York Hash but I didn't remember any of the words I knew the tunes all of a sudden, they're giving me the, the keys to the castle by giving me this songbook with all the words written. Zippy got to the point with Hashel where he would send out monthly summaries of who posted the most, who posted the most on what thread, what the most popular subject line was, and it just became this very meta and fun competition to do all these things. I ended up moving out to Colorado. There's a hash starting in, in Wichita, Kansas, Tornado Alley hash. It was being started by Bird Bryant from Hogtown. He had moved out there. And so Zippy and I decided we're going to drive out. I'm living in Boulder. Zippy's living, you know, uh, an hour and a half south in Colorado Springs. So I've had a, a long work week. I take a nap. I hop in my car. I drive down to Colorado Springs. I have a beer with Zippy. We leave at like 10 p.m. or 11 p.m. to drive all night to Wichita. And Zippy, in his 1986 BMW 325i with Colorado plate with Harrier as the plate name, who he will not 
not let anybody else drive. <laughs> He's like, I'm driving all night. I'm like, okay, well, fine. So we get in, we have breakfast at a diner, go off, the hash starts at noon. We find a brew pub that opens at 10.30. I have two or three pints before the trail even starts. Long story short, it was a very interesting and fun day. I ended up eventually finding my way back to the house we were staying at. I'll leave that story for another time. It was funny enough that when Zippy showed up at Hershey Harrisburg first run, a bunch of the Blue Hands were there. And they said, Zippy, do you know Fuckstick? You're from Colorado. Have you met Fuckstick? And he said, without missing a beat, meeting Fuckstick makes you want to cut off your own ball so you can never produce another demon spawn like him. And <laughs> at which point, I think he might have either turned away or just let it drop. The mic drop. But he was a personality. Oh, that's a great story. That had lots of names and places, and a lot of people will connect and nostalgia. Yeah, well, and one of the things that's funny to me is just one, you know, back in the 90s, there weren't that many hash weekends, right? So it was Lakeburg, Hogtown, Heathen down in Georgia. Maybe there were one or two others. Little Rock had one, and then Colorado Imba had. Did you get to Erie? When did the weekend start? It may have been something out. Dick Tracy was a huge hasher, but it was like for a while, the only game in town was a, a couple of hash weekends. And then Nittany started in the early 90s, too. It was a real small community for a while there. Competition was good. It was just interesting to see how that evolved. Is now there are more hash weekends that you can shake a stick at. But also just kind of how it used to be every day. This goes back to your question about what you like about hashing or don't like about hashing, what you take or what you leave. It seemed like for a while there, you had your normal weekday hash and it wasn't so much of a party always. It was like everyone, everyone and people ended up getting pissed and having fun, but it wasn't like throw down, drag out, have to party to the end of the world. That stuff happened at the weekend. And now some hashes are so much of a party that we brought the weekend to the week hash. I don't know if that's good or bad, but that was just an observation. Is Pittsburgh another 15 years for you? I think I'll be here for a while. I had to travel all over the world to find out that Pittsburgh is where I wanted to be. I had lived here for a summer in 96. Thought I'd never come back, and here I am. Nittany Valley was, they always did the Caraporcus Lux Groundhog's Day hash on eve of Groundhog's Day. Did they do it in Punxsutawney? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. So there, there, somebody knew somebody who had property, so everyone would camp out. It was more like partying all night around the bonfire. They'd hire a bus to take people downtown, and then they'd have a hash through town, get their pictures taken, come back and party for the rest of the night, and then get up and go try to watch the groundhog come out do you think hashing has affected your career not necessarily it kind of did in the sense that the ridgefield hash in connecticut where i started hashing probably 70 to 80 percent of the people all worked at the same place they all worked at slumberger doll research facility so they actually had a, an annual hash during the week but an annual event at slumberger because a lot of the oil and gas folks from around the world were hashers and they would come for this annual conference in ridgefield and they'd have the wireline hash so it ended up being like kind of an annual event so i was lucky in that a lot of the people i was hashing with were scientists and engineers and people with PhDs, master's degrees, et cetera, et cetera. There were still people who did none of that, who were either homemakers, garbage men, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I got exposed to really clever and intelligent people who liked to blow off steam by running the hash, who were also very silly. I was always interested in energy. So it turns out I worked doing groundskeeping for an oil and gas company, and that was my hash beginnings. I ended up working in energy and getting a degree in chemical engineering. It provided me with an outlet around really cool and intelligent people. That probably rubbed off on me some. Hashel's kind of kicking back the life a little bit recently. 
it's going to be interesting to see because of the pandemic, people have decided they're a little bit more interested in some of these connections and communities that had gone by the wayside. I don't have any problem with Facebook or social network stuff, but it's very ephemeral. Like if you miss a post, you miss a post, right? It may not, may be such that it never makes it onto your feed. You're sort of part of these online communities, but you can miss stuff really easily. If you're on an email list, you're more likely to see everything. I think that's a good thing. I think people are realizing that I don't want to be on Facebook every single day of the week and that immediacy and interaction on the email list is something that people are clamoring for. Uh, clamoring is probably too strong a word, but people appreciate a little bit more than they did. I think it has a chance. When the Yahoo groups went away a few months ago, Pittsburgh lost its email list. We started another one on Google groups and we have to advertise it a little bit better. A lot of people came out and said, oh, I really like that there's an email list again and I like hearing about the upcoming hashes via somebody sending out an email as opposed to me having to check the website or know there's a Facebook event. How people used to find out about the hash, how there were the newsletters that either got sent out or handed out at the hash with the next run location, or you called the hotline and stuff like that. Certainly, I've talked to some people from Europe and Asia, and of course, we looked at the origin of the big hash directory that Magic, yeah, Bangkok, were producing. I know when I was in Cairo, I would always just call all the travel guys. I made sure that let's go Egypt and Fodor's telephone <laughs> number listed. Pittsburgh actually had a newsletter. So the way you found out about the hash was either you were at the hash and you got the newsletter, which had the right from the previous week and had the next run location. They actually sent the newsletter out to everybody who was a member. So you would get it in the mail every week. Wow. And, and if, yeah. So there was also a phone number you could call with an, a recorded message of where the hash would be. I still remember in New York, all the New York area hashes, you would just dial hash NYC, 212 hash NYC, and then DC was Pudjam Zero. You had the magic phone number. You could maybe find out where the hash was. Yeah, in each of those towns, New York and Washington, D.C., that would get you seven or eight clocks. Yeah, and Baltimore Annapolis was on there, too. It was the whole D.C. metro area. It was tough starting a hash at university because, of course, I was living on campus. We're all underage. So I can't exactly put up flyers around campus, say, all the beer you can drink, pay $5, come out and run with us. And here's my campus phone number and my, my university email address. So, you know, it was, it was certainly word of mouth. I do a fair bit of proselytizing. I had convinced this person to come out hashing with us, and she was nice enough. And we would regularly do a B to C run. Meet at point A, drive to point B, start the run there and run to point C. Because we only had a limited number of cars. So we're all carpooling one. We, we pile into the car and there's like six of us in my Toyota Tercel. We're driving off and she's like, you know, this is almost like a hash run. <laughs> it turned out she had hashed in Africa with her parents, but we hadn't said it was a hash. We said, oh, we're going out on a run. We're going to drink some beer. And, and here she had already been a hasher and she didn't even know she was going on a hash run. Is that somebody stayed hashing? I have no idea. She hashed once with us. <laughs> Who knows? She may be out there. <laughs> It's kind of funny, Ra. There are hashers who I met earlier in my hashing career, and I had no idea until I re-met them, often in Pittsburgh. Flickr from Pittsburgh was at that Hogtown 125th, and we actually hung out a little bit. She remembered me as this long-haired kid, young guy who showed up as a hash, and it was only, you know, when we were on a hash in 2008 later talking about it. And she was like, oh, we were... <laughs> and it, it totally came out. We had hung out for the whole time. And Swampish is another one. It made me think of it because... Because she came to that first Blue Hen run and got completely lost on her, her way there because I had mucked up the directions and the last turn was wrong. And I had no recollection, you know, and then you meet people later and they're like, oh, we were totally in the same place. 
So I was laughing when I saw this pop up on the Hash House Harriers Facebook feed, Roth, because about two weeks ago or three weeks ago, I was hanging out on the porch with my neighbors, Defender of Petum and Mangurgler. We were just talking about, you know, somebody should really start a hash podcast to record some of this history <laughs> and get some of these stories. And so I just texted them yesterday. I'm like, well, sure as shit, Rob must have heard us because he's on it. I'm so glad that you're doing that, both the oral history and how we interact with things and, and our social communities are changing. So I'm, I'm glad you're doing it. Two quick stories, Ross. You just spawned in my memory. I finished up at KL, World's Inner Hat, and I went down to Australia, 98, 99. I was there for six months. And so I, I go down to Tasmania because I know they had won the bid. I go off and I do this 80-kilometer walk on my own just to hike, like a multi-day hike. And I finish up the hike, and I've been on trail for these last three days around all these annoying people, and they've been talking about beer, and there's been no beer in sight, and I'm ready for a hash. So I, I pull out my... Of, of all people, I had a stray dog <laughs> hash guide, and I pull out my stray dog hash guide and i look in it and i'm like oh well there's a hash down in the park beach hash outside of hobart hashes on wednesdays and so i call them up and i say hey look are you are you ready today and they say they said yes and uh here's where the run starts so i drive down there i arrived five minutes late and i said shit i must have missed the pack they must be one of those hashes that starts on time i ran followed trail don't see a, a single soul and i get about probably a kilometer or two in and i'm like well shit i probably started and they haven't started yet so i run back and sure as shit they haven't started yet i do the hash with these people and then i get to the end it turns out it was a BYOB hash. So I hadn't brought any beer because I didn't know. So I said, well, can you tell me where to go to get pick up a slab? And they said, well, why do you need to know? I said, well, I didn't bring any beer. And they said, well, that's fine. Here's where the bottle shop is. But where are you staying tonight? And I said, well, I was going to go into Hobart and stay in a hostel, but I might just sleep in my car depending on how pissed we get. I get back with a slab and they're like, nope, you're staying here tonight. You're going to go out fishing with us tomorrow. <laughs> and these folks are brilliant. It was this guy named Richo. He put me up. It was his family's beach house. I crashed out on one of the bunk beds, wakes me up at the ass crack of dawn in the morning. I have Vegemite for the first time that morning over brekkie we go out and we fish richo apparently knows where off seven this is off seven mile beach like just plop a line in it's me him and this this younger kid who's a, i think one of the hasher's sons we catch a whole bunch of fish and octopus like you throw the octopus the octopus line in and uh, an octopus immediately comes out we go back to his house and he's like well now we're gonna have fresh octopus and he fires up the barbie and we clean the fish and we're having fresh octopus on the grill for lunch and he's like well what are you doing for the next few days i was going to go down to Port Arthur and he's like well when you get back we'll set you up with this guy you can stay on his couch or in his spare room for a couple days and you'll have to be here for our Christmas party partying here and we'll have the water skis and the tubes out <laughs> it was a wonderful hash community who welcomed a traveler fully Australia is a special place the hash community is a special place I was welcomed into this amazing community of people I got. I even got to attend a Tazzy 2000 planning meeting that was happening in Hobart that week, which was fun. And I added a little bit of value because they didn't know that Jose Cuervo was a sponsor. So I'm like, no, just call them up and they'll provide. It was just one of those special times where you meet a group of people and they go they're out of their way to make you feel welcome. And that's, from my perspective, when the fridge is empty, you put something in the fridge. When the fridge is full, you're able to take stuff from the fridge. There have been enough people in my life who have provided me with a, a, a couch crash on when I needed it that that's been my goal to provide that. That for other people and the hash has been front and center for that people have gone out of their way to make me feel welcome to the hash so i try to do the same thing for others and when i see somebody who isn't talking to anybody off to the side of the hash i engage them because sometimes i've met the, some of the best people who are just quiet standing on the side yeah, that story is kind of the quintessential hash. What right? is it of the hash? There are people who take advantage of it, and some of us have gotten burned, and different hashes have gotten burned over time. So it's not like you make yourself vulnerable, and, and sometimes you get burned. You know, other times it's a fantastic and life-affirming experience. 
you know, I have a, a list in my head kind of of like top 10 trails, and there's no actual order. That same summer that I did Hogtown 125th, uh, Ithaca had a big camp out weekend or a big anniversary. I went out there and really fun time. The Sunday run, there were probably only 15 or 16 of us. About 10 minutes before the run, torrential downpour. Typical like upstate New York in the middle of summer, right? Because it was in June or July. So we all stripped down to the bare minimum clothes. <laughs> because <laughs> we don't want like, to carry around a lot of wet stuff. We just went out on this. It was probably a six or seven mile run. They made us swim across the reservoir twice. I'm not a strong swimmer, and there were a couple hundred meter swims, but it was just one of those perfect experiences with a small group of people. We had a beer check where we sang Zupada, singing in the rain, because it had started to rain again. Somebody took a picture, and it ended up on the wall of the local establishment, the Chapter House, which is a big bar in Ithaca, which has since burnt down. For years later, I would show up in the Chapter House, and there's a picture of the Ithaca hash on that Sunday. <laughs> there's so certain of those hashes that, that stick in your mind as, as wonderful times for whatever reason. What's the Pittsburgh hash? What are they like? Pittsburgh hash has changed a bit over time. It's interesting, right? About five years ago, we had a second kennel start. And since then, we've had a few other kennels start. The Pittsburgh hash itself, PGH3, hashes hair's choice, but it hashes primarily on Sundays. It used to be Sundays and Mondays. and We occasionally hash on a Monday, but not, not too frequently. I'd say we get a good group of people ranging from like early 20s up to their 70s, do at least four sometimes even a seven mile run a couple of beer checks and we have a lot of great woods here so we get a lot of shiggy a lot of interesting architecture a lot of interesting things to see and it's a, a nice group of people and fairly low-key generally dead trails but sometimes live i think you're loving that one word it's always been my experience what's that hills, hills. <laughs> big hills never give up the high ground in pittsburgh <laughs> Raw, there have been times when but never giving up the high ground has resulted in me coming in about two hours after the pack. <laughs> yeah. Thank God I used to be fast. Oh, my God. We had a, a gentleman digger who used to hatch with us, and he says hung up his boots. I had set a, a trail up the, the where one of the inclines used to be. We used to have funiculars that went up the hills in Pittsburgh, and we still have two, but there used to be eight or ten. He just turns to me. I'm sweeping. He, he passes me. He's like, fuckstick, this better not be a fault because I don't think my heart could take it. <laughs> How else am I supposed to keep the pack together, Ra, other than run them up and down those hills? Pussy whipped, jumping off the bridge in Pittsburgh and breaking both ankles. Stories like that. I mean, I... It was great to talk to you, and I can't wait to hear some of these stories. I'm glad you started this, and thanks for getting it getting it rolling, and thanks for taking the initiative and, and being you, Roth. This yeah. is awesome. I want to ask you one more question. Is the RA always right? You know, I have to say the RA is always right. And if not, you can get fucked. <laughs> wow, what an interview. I hope you enjoyed as much as I did doing it with Fuckstick. I want to thank Fuckstick for dropping by the podcast today. Stay tuned for more upcoming episodes. Until next time, on on, this is Ra. To close the circle, here's the Hash Anthem sung by Mother Hash. Swing low, sweet
we shall.